local government was founded in the 19th century to deal with things like a disease and, and sanitation and that's that's where it started and decent housing so in effect, I feel like we've almost gone back to the roots of what we've got councils for in local areas. Hello my name is Jamie O'Dell and welcome to this episode of Amplify FM a podcast on the local grassroots media platform Amplify Stroud. One year ago, we talked to the leader of Stroud District Council, Doyle Pennell, about how Stroud District was responding to the pandemic. In this episode, one year on from the first lockdown, we've caught up with Doyle again to ask for her reflections on the past year and what she sees as fundamental to Stroud's own pathway to recovery. So we're joined today by Doyle Cornell, the leader of Stroud District Council. Um, Doyle, thank you for thank you for being here. Now, obviously, we spoke about a year ago, just before the lockdown here, it was kind of reflecting on on kind of the mad scramble that everyone was going through, I think, at the time, and then how the council was was reacting to that, in a sense. Um, so I just wanted to, can we start off by kind of just generally, how, how has the last year been for you? Um, how has the last year been for, for the district, for Stroud? Wow, that's a huge question to answer. <laughs> I mean, I think, we'll, we'll start big and narrow down. Yeah, I mean, I think um, for me personally, it's probably my experience has probably been quite similar for many people. Um, and I think everyone has, you know, through our work or everything, we can talk about the district council in a minute, we'll have our work experience. But I think um, everyone has been impacted by this pandemic in a really, really personal way. For me, I've had um, sort of half of my family have been in the shielding category. So in effect, I think we're at the year anniversary pretty much now. I've been in, so that's really put on me, not as someone who had to shield, but felt, well, I can't really put my family at risk. So I've, I've really been in effect shielding for the last year. So that, and I know many people in that position. So that has created quite an interesting experience for us. And I've got two kids who are both um, one halfway through university, one about to head off. Um, very exciting, got himself to London and then had to come back after a couple of months. So I've, I've had the experience of living with two young people in one respect who've been doing all this amazing stuff online quite incredible how the universities have facilitated it I'd also say that universities have been not generally very good at the pastoral support for these young people finding themselves mm. stuck at home um, and also they're immensely frustrated because they thought they'd escaped their sort of <laughs> rural life and, and they're back here again so there's pros and cons of that so personally I think that's probably not unfamiliar to many people so so that's what I've experienced um, personally um, I mean, I guess we'll talk more about the experience of being a councillor and a council leader during this time. But I think it's been a year like no other. I was talking to our chief executive about it. And, you know, people have got views about councils, haven't they? And, and many people say, oh, blinking council and they'll slag us off. But I think what you'll find in the local government sector, there are many people who really feel they're there to serve their community. But I feel like maybe we lost our way a little bit. And through the pandemic, we've actually reconnected with what's the point of having local government. If you recall, local government was founded in the 19th century to deal with things like a disease and, and sanitation. And that's that's where it started and decent housing. So in effect, I feel like we've almost gone back to the roots of what we've got councils for in local areas. So if you want to look at a sort of big reflection on, on what's happened over the last year, and we can perhaps get into some of the detail around, you know, the actual way we've been working and all the rest of it. Um, that's what I would say. As regards the district, and maybe we'll talk a little bit more about this specific district that we live in and its market towns and its rural communities. I think we're really fortunate where we live. We're really lucky we don't live in a city and we've been able to step out of the door on our daily walks and visit, go to the beautiful bits of the countryside. I think that's probably kept a lot of us really sort of on the straight and narrow as regards our mental health, that we've had that 
luck that we could do that even if we didn't have gardens um and also we've just seen a real renewal of our community um, awareness and support and the mutual aid groups that have grown up i know they've happened in the rest of the country but when you look at what's happening elsewhere i think we've been exceptionally lucky that we seem to live in an area which has a really strong community sector um so in mm. some that's sort of you know how i think it's been over this last year positive and negatives yeah. and of course um because g11 is in that's in your patch isn't it um, yeah. I think that's been one of like, the key kind of fantastic examples of a real kind of community hub in terms of like the, the local mutual aid groups and, and stuff. I mean, how much have you found is kind of pre-existing networks and how much is kind of new kind of intercommunal bonds? I would say it's a mixture of two. Um, and so I'd say the, the one you mentioned GL11, another one would be, for example, the Long Table or Stroud District Food Bank, you know, long time organisations within our communities. Um, and and there are other ones who just popped up just spontaneously organized themselves you know particularly in stroud i think you know really came came to light for the ones that already existed and like you could really see this how they were effective they were able to draw on long investments in trusted relationships so there would be you know you might have a local sort of community organizer or a head of a local community organization um who already had for a long time, for example, been working public health or the health, um, the NHS, or have been working new local GPs because they'd done support around people with mental health issues or whatever, or they'd had long relationships with the district council officers where they'd been working on schemes in the past. And that those trusted relationships, which had been built up in many cases over years, could just come into play because you could phone that person, speak to that person, and you knew what it was all about. You knew that person. We didn't have to start that from scratch. And I think drawing on that... Um, that sort of long-term investment um, really paid off. So that was something that really I gave us that support I think, in different parts of the district. I think that was really important. All that work through the years really came, came into the fore. But as I said, there were also some fantastic initiatives where people just went for it, you know, and I think that was really also really admirable. Um, so yeah. I think it was a mixture of the two. Yeah, I think that's one thing that's been really interesting kind of coming out of the, the pandemic is you combine the more, the more centralised top, top-down top things and often privatised as well, like track and trace. Um, and then you compare that to something like the vaccine rollout in Gloucestershire, um, which I know has been, it's been much more localised, hasn't it? Um, yeah. And it's kind of, it's interesting how the value of properly kind of locally based solutions and also kind of local capacity has really been demonstrated. Right? I guess that links back to your point about um, the, the importance of local authorities. I think if you're going to pick out one big lesson from this is that local solutions can work extremely well where you've got partnership across all different sectors and you've picked two really interesting examples. We just had this week, didn't we, with the um, um, the public accounts committee sort of pointing at this, this track mm. and trade billions and billions and billions, incredible sums of money, eye-watering sums of money spent on this system, which is supposed to be administered by Serco. And from the very beginning, it's not been working. I mean, they're very they're quick to sort of trumpet how many testing has been done. And yes, there has been a lot of testing. But if you look at all the scientists will be telling you, it's, a, it's got to be a complete system. Yes, it's testing. Yes, it's tracing. But you've got to have the isolate and support at the other end. Otherwise, the whole thing becomes meaningless. And even now, a year on, that system is still not functioning, despite all the money that's been spent on it. So the problem with that was, going back to what I said before about the trusted relationships, they tried to set something up utterly from scratch. Now, what, if I was in charge of that, what I would have done would I would look to see what already exists. This is an emergency. Why do I want to give this to a, to a private contractor to recruit people who don't know anything about what they're doing? You know, out in our community across the country, we had 
public health officials who are really experienced. You know, they've been dealing with measles outbreak, Legionnaire's disease, all sorts of things. Many years of experience in dealing with contagious diseases, totally understanding what public health means. Um, and yet to, for, the, for the first part, they really weren't really drawing on those fantastic resources. They know every street, they know where to go, they know who to talk to in the community. So that's one example. Um, and I think the other one you gave, which still not working even today, and our real worry is the restrictions ease. We still not haven't got that support for people who are having to isolate in place. And if we want to compare ourselves with other countries which have been successful, they've had an excellent support system. You know, they've got high sick pay for people. They, they phone people up, they chat to them friendly calls so they can stay at home. And in this country, we've got people with precarious work who aren't given the support. So why you can't stay at home if you aren't able to support your family. So that I think I'm afraid, and I hopefully one day this will come to light sooner rather than later, was real and utter failure. It just did, hasn't worked. And, and sadly, and it is profoundly sad and tragic for this country, lives have been lost as a result of it, which is really sad. On the other front, and you see now the government is really keen to, to take credit for it, we've got the vaccination programme. And it's an amazing, Gloucestershire is like the top in the country and in that sense, a top in the world for its, its vaccination rollout. And pay credit to the um, head of public health and, and whoever who in the team made that decision was they said, we're going to run a community model on this. We're going to work with the GPs. We're going to work with community hospitals. We're not going to use like big stadiums to do vaccinations. And it's been incredible. It's got the GPs and all the NHS staff, you know, doing the sort of medical side of it, the vaccinations. You mentioned GL11 earlier, and, and obviously we've got volunteers elsewhere and a volunteer group of people who are supporting just as a friendly face when people come in. And it's been incredibly successful. The government's claiming credit for it, but it's the NHS with its going back to what I said before about trusted networks. You know, GL11 has worked with a local GP who was leading on it for years he needed someone to help him with the volunteers he picked up the phone and they had a system for volunteers up and running within days i mean it was incredible at the vale hospital here in dursley and similar was done elsewhere i know so there's two interesting examples of, of contrasts and so what we've had control over locally for the most part in this district in this area we've actually managed to um deliver i think basically local government has delivered everything that's been asked of it by this government as regards our you know everyone's got different roles to play we've done what's been asked of us. Mm. And I think that's, I think, I think that's very telling. Um, I think that kind of leads quite naturally as well into from your perspective um, as, as leader of a local council, what have, what has the government's response been like? Um, what are your kind of reflections on, on the support that, well, I, I would just leave it at that. What, what's it been like from your perspective? Yeah, interesting. I went back and looked, actually, because um, very early on in the pandemic, I mean, we do have sort of calls in with ministers and stuff, but never on the scale that we've had over the last year. So obviously everything had to go online. And um, and I've just got, I, I keep like notes on my computer. I've got about 168 notes from every sort of meeting that we've had. And we were having regular meetings with Robert Jendrick. So from a leader's point of view, it was quite interesting because very, very early on, sort of in March, basically, when we realised it was, you know, what was happening, um, we got sort of leaders were on calls, council leaders, chief executives were on calls, like with, with sort of national calls with ministers and, and really getting all that information. And, and we can talk a bit about how the council responded. And also we were on regular calls with other council leaders across the county as well. So it felt quite intense. I mean, um, so, so all that was going on. So I think how government did it, I mean, I don't want to completely not government because, you know, as a Labour politician, you said that's probably what I'm likely to do. I mean, it was unprecedented and, you know, there are definitely 
um, I'm afraid from the top, there was a lack of seriousness of taking it seriously. And, and we can, as I said, we can contrast ourselves with other countries that we could have done much, much better. And that's just a tragedy for this country. But um, I think, you know, they have tried and there has been good communication with us. But it's interesting because in the early days, I was listening on all the, I was thinking, oh, well, I'm sitting and listening to this minister. This all sounds really grand. But, but actually, after a while, it, it sort of didn't always match what was happening on the ground. Um, so I think government has tried and you know in some respects it's done quite a good job with the business grants for example you know businesses are really suffering and they've been allocating money out and they, we've given the job for councils you know they've decided how much and and they've given us the job as a council to make sure that support gets out there so we have managed to get millions of pounds out the door um and i think that's been really helpful for businesses so so i think it's a bit of a mixture um um i would say um around sort of how how we've you know what, what we've got from government so i guess kind of moving on to kind of a very much a more kind of local sense obviously it's been a completely unprecedented you've had new working times um, council officers have to completely adapt so what do you think has kind of been the major successes or what do you think have kind of has gone well in the council's kind of reaction and, and, and continuing continuation of operations since like over the last year I think there's a few things I would say. Um, I mean, obviously, what happened had to happen really quickly was you 300 odd council officers had to get out of the of Ebley Mill and all work from home, which I think anyone who had to do that, that was immensely challenging. You know, you had people who didn't have the right kit at home. You had people with sort of small children. So so and that continues even now, at least the schools have gone back. But, you know, that's been a challenge. If you imagine you're like a sort of an officer is dealing with quite technical stuff, planning or mm. environmental health. It's not easy to do that out of your sort of bedroom or your living room or something. So I think that a huge amount of work went in um, to, sort of to, to really just ensure that work quick could keep going. And I have to say what has been a success is basically all those really crucial services we provide have managed to go through the whole year in spite of those those challenges um you know working with ubico who do the waste and recycling all of that service continued um exceptionally well um and all the other work i mean there's been a bit of a difficulty around some things because you haven't been able to do things like site visits and as much as you could but basically where people have needed assistance or help from the council we've managed to do it so i think that's been successful i think as an organization i've been really impressed with the senior leadership team you know bearing in mind the people who work for the council 300 odd people live and work in this for the most part in this district so they're also they're not just council workers they're also part of our communities um so real care was taken with them and a, and a lot of you know seeing how people are getting on you know there's been a lot of mental health um toll for many people who've been stuck at home all this time and maybe not being able to sort of be in the right sort of situations as regard work and not you know not having that social interaction so I think there was a real care taken as an organization to just check up on people all the time and see that they were okay and I have to say for counsellors as well you know we've been sort of checking in because for a long time people felt really isolated so I think we've really tried to make sure we've done that well and I think a testimony to the success of that um, is the fact we've had very very few COVID cases amongst our council workers because we've really, really looked after them and made sure that they're safe and risk assessments have done well. And as I said, we have been able to go out and do visits as needed. Um, and also you've got to take care of the people you're going to visit. I gave a contrasting example. There was an awful story recently with the DVLA over in Wales, where they had an appalling culture where they just weren't really, didn't really care about people coming in. There were loads of cases. So that's an example where a public sector organisation hasn't got it right. So I think as an, internally as an organisation, we, we've done pretty well. But I think 
I also say it's been absolutely exhausting. Um, you know, some we've been full on for a year now and we've got all the normal jobs to do, all the stuff that councils have to do anyway, you know, planning, housing, um, all the rest of it. And we've had to add, and you know, and we're a council like others, which has seen its funding slowly going over the last 10 years. We haven't got the same resources that we had 10 years ago. Um, and yet we've had to add a whole extra job on, which is the COVID response um, so, so and I think mm. there's some very formal work that the council's had to do through this I mentioned earlier about we've done what's been asked of us uh, particularly our environmental health teams have been absolutely crucial because they've been having to go out supporting businesses supporting workplaces to make sure they've got what they need to be safe COVID safe and also checking you know retail shops and, and all the rest of it um, and working quite closely with the police just to make sure there hasn't been people you know putting themselves at risk putting others at risk so that's been a big piece of work the other thing that's worked very well, I think, the Gloucestershire as a whole is quite a diverse county. You've got pretty much district and county councillors with all different um, political colours of leadership. But there's been very good um, partnership working, and particularly at the officer levels. So there have been quite a few groups that have been meeting regularly all through this. So really good coordination to make sure that everything's done that, you know, that, that, that required to be done. So I think that's actually worked well Um that partnership work another key piece of work that we were asked by the government to really prioritize was around homelessness and making sure people weren't on the streets again a lot of effort and as work because that's obviously as a district council another one of our responsibilities so a lot of people how how have you found that the, the, the second time around because i know that the government didn't introduce despite it being in the depths of winter the government obviously didn't introduce measures to ensure that everyone was in hotels um during the second lockdown um, have you seen the kind of the impact of that in comparison to this time last year? I mean, as a council, we've always tried to work quite proactively to prevent people getting homelessness in the homeless in the first place. Mm-hmm. And but you've got you know sometimes cases of people who they they may be out on the streets or homeless for quite challenging reasons. And so I think what we've been trying to do is, as a council, put extra resources then to support those people. Um, that that's something we have done. I mean. <sighs> You know, I mean, government sort of, yeah, waxes a bit hot and cold on this. They'll say a lot of stuff around how important it is. But one of the major issues we've got as a district, we just don't have enough housing for everyone. And um, we do our best. We build council housing, but pretty much government doesn't give us the powers in order to build the numbers of houses we need. And there's still too many people on the waiting list. Um, so though government says the right noises around, yes, we need some certain houses, we don't really get the powers to, to enable that to happen you know we have to mm. borrow funds in order to build um, for a long time we would we had our borrowing capped so we couldn't um build we also have right to buy remains in place it doesn't exist in wales and scotland anymore but we still have it in england and um the labor party committed to get rid of it but obviously the conservatives have kept it and so they increased the discount on properties which means i think around eighty thousand pounds discount if you're buying a property a house so we're losing about 25 homes every year and we can't build fast enough to replace them. Mm. So unfortunately, there's a really intrinsic problem there which got worse during the pandemic. And maybe we should talk as well about how we, this really shone a light on some fundamental issues in the society really came to the fore around inequality. And um, it's not affected everyone in the same way. I mean, I'm quite privileged. I've been able to sit at home and work. I've got broadband. I've got a little office I can use. You know, fine for me, but... There are other people who've had to go to work all the way through. I know people in my community who've had to work. We've got local factories and they've had to go to work every single day. Um, so, you know, for those people, that's been quite a, quite a difficult experience. 
So I think it hasn't impacted everyone equally and we need to recognise that as a council and make sure that we're really getting the resources to those people who need that support because it's got worse. Um, and yeah. there are many people out there who are suffering as well from sort of, you know, the, the, the building up um, impact of mental health and, and also people suffering from not having that social interaction they used to is also quite significant mm. and quite concerning. What do you see um, on that? What do you see the long-term impacts of, of COVID being then on, on, on kind of Stroud as, or Stroud in the area as, as a community? I think um, it's difficult because we're, we're still in it, aren't we? And I think, mm. I think we all have wishful thinking that, that one day, it'll be, you know, the summer or perhaps or next year or whenever, it'll all be gone and then we'll all be back to normal. But I think um, we're going to have to get used to the fact that even if the restrictions end and the coronavirus is pretty much suppressed, I think the pandemic is going to live with us, like even if it's just inside us for the rest of our lives. I think it's going to be an event like the Second World War, which just profoundly affects all of us. So I think we'll see the local effects remaining for immediately stronger effects but continuing for some people i think it's going to mark us forever and i think you'll see that in different ways i mean there's a real concern around you know local jobs and, and businesses i mean because of furlough being extended extended it's 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 done what it was supposed to do to bear to government to sort of keep people going but and um, keep businesses going but uh, what's the long-term impact furlough is due to end later on this year and there's still real concern um if you look at many businesses they don't have a big buffer to sort of i don't have loads of savings to keep themselves going um if you just look at high street businesses for example our cafes restaurants pubs they they completely had the carpet sort of you know pulled out from under yeah. them all of their own um so i worry about the economic impact long term is it for these small businesses and we've got lots and lots of small and micro businesses in the district how are they going to get themselves back on their feet so i think that's one thing that that is is i just can't see that um just being instantly fixed there's long-term damage that's been done and we need to all try and work out how we can support people to get back um and the other one is the personal effect you know we've got people who've lost loved ones and friends will all know someone who's lost someone now, there's all that grief there there's the many people who've now um suffering from long covid um and there's like the nhs is now looking to set up support groups for those people who are having a whole range of issues so they're potentially living with health issues for the remainder of their lives and some of those people are, are quite young so that is a major new thing for people to deal with and as i said before um, we, we've, there's a real worry um, around mental health, and I know I know locally the NHS and other community organisations are looking to put some extra support in because I think it's had a great toll on people um, this last year. I mean, it's incredible the strain it's put. So there's quite a lot, and I think I was at the at the Vale Hospital a, a few weeks ago talking to the GPs who are leading on the vaccination program, and one of them was saying he's really concerned about the mental health, almost like tsunami that's coming, and it hasn't even really begun yet. So that and also not to mention the fact we've got the backlog of, you know, people not being treated and stuff. So I think from a district council point of view, because we're not directly responsible for health services, district councils have an extremely important role to play in prevention and health and well-being. And this is something as a council we've always done consistently. Um, so we've, you know, for example, we've supported the social prescribing we've had in the district. We're one of the areas that started that. So I can see that stepping up a gear you know um sort of prescribing whether it's healthy walks or getting people onto the allotment or just making sure they've got a, a sort of um you know listening ear type of sort of phone service someone will have a conversation with them that is going to become a really even more 
crucial part of the role we do as, as a council. And I think health and wellbeing needs to be right at the heart of, it needs to be cut across everything now. It's going to be really significant yeah. going forward. And I think that's one of the key learnings of the pandemic is that that public health, economic health, any type of health is all so kind of intrinsically interlinked. And at the bottom line of that is public health, is people's kind of individual health and well-being. And that isn't prioritised enough, in a sense. Yeah. Um, and health has had its funding slashed, unfortunately, over the last years, which when you think about it, it's crazy. So we haven't, in one sense, nationally, I'm not sure how much resilience and, and capacity we had for the pandemic. Uh, as we've done our best locally I think I said before you know we've, as a district council we've invested in community organizations for years we've got we've supported people so we had some capital like natural personal capital to draw on but you know your this pandemic came in on a country which has had over a decade of cuts to public services I mean I remember 10 years ago when the county council just cut the youth services there were no more youth services in the district and, you know, we've built it up a little bit from town and parishes and the district council. And then, you know, schools haven't got the same funding, NHS. So that was, all that was already under strain. And then you've put all this on top of it. So, you know, people are incredible, aren't they? Volunteers are incredible. Everyone who works in the public sector is amazing. They can just do so much with so little, but it's extremely, extremely challenging. Um, so yeah. it didn't come on the top of something where we had that robust foundation, which is really worrying. Yeah, exactly. And I think if you look at things like the Michael Marmot review and stuff, you can see how public health was already on its knees. Um, and it was going to be a question, I think you've actually just covered it quite nicely. I was going to ask in terms of like, if this pandemic came 10 years ago, what would you kind of think is the, the difference in readiness that we might have? Um, there's a bit of an arbitrary question, I guess. So. Um, where would we go to two, tw- 10 years ago would take us, we would be in the early years of the, like, the, the oh, conservative coalition. I'm, we go back I'm, I'm older than I think. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I mean, 12 we, years ago. If we went back to the, la- the last Labour government, I think, yeah, I mean, we, we, we don't really want to get into the history of the Labour Party, but I think I would just, I may have mentioned this, before, and I don't think I've mentioned it to you before, but I've certainly talked to people about this, and I was really interested in this, is that one of the things I talk about national government and and i have reflected on this is that um we've, we've got a government that's quite is like it's permanent campaign mode and it's adversarial and it likes to just create it likes to sort of cause controversy and everything and mm. that's got to start with brexit and i'm afraid it went into the pandemic its mentality on which it won the 2019 election because what i think should have happened is that we should have seen this is a national crisis this is not a political crisis the pandemic it's affecting everyone equally and what we should have seen is a government of national unity coming together and you know the prime minister and the minister should have said right we're going to bring everyone in we're going to have a government of all the talents because it's diverse um parties bring them all in and the reason i say that is for two things one is because i've have personal experience of that through working through an alliance at district council you know we're one of the longest most stable alliances i can't remember if i probably said this on our original interview you know the the lib dems the greens and labor have been running the council since 2012 and we know we have our ups and downs but basically stroud district is a diverse district as you can see from how it you know politically the representation on the district council and so we recognize that in the alliance and we've you know we've built this alliance up and when the pandemic hit and i thought you know what this we need to make sure any messages any services hit every part of this community i don't want to be speaking as a labor leader and there's someone who always votes tory doesn't care for labor in one part of the district who isn't going to listen to me so i i said right let's we're going to bring the conservative leader in as well and we and also the other thing is we didn't have any formal decision making 
process in place because we weren't allowed to meet virtually and at that early stages the government hadn't provided any legislation that we could have virtual meetings so I said right we're going to have all the four group leaders we're going to meet regularly we were meeting several times a week we still now meet every a couple of times a month as well so all of the COVID related stuff was going to come there because I thought I think that and I believe this quite passionately that makes a really robust decision making because there's stuff that's not really political and I have to say pretty much we've worked through so it means every decision that came out had that consensus and it got that reach and we have actually released a few statements collectively as political leaders there are other times as anyone who's familiar with social media and stroud he'll know um you know there are moments where we certainly do not agree with each other and the election's coming so i'm sure i'm going to get a few pops on social media but we did that and i think if i'm going to be saying i'm proud of one thing i'm proud of that because that was me as leader who said we're going to do it and that was what my one example why it works. And the second one I really want to give, and I think we don't say this enough, is during the Second World War, you know, Churchill was seen as the leader and he got all the credit. And we know a certain person who's currently prime minister from models himself on that. But the deputy just prime minister, yeah, just a bit. The deputy <laughs> prime minister was, it was Clement Attlee, was a Labour person. And I was looking at this recently. The country was divided. They had various, I think, about three committees. And Churchill said, right, I want the defence. He went to the nice boys' toys and things. He had the defence and the war committee or something. And he said to Attlee, basically, well, you're just going to run the country. And Attlee, it's got a very boring name, but there's the committee that basically was running the country. And Attlee was in charge of that. So what you had was, there are a couple of other Labour figures as well, who really understood organisation, because they're Labour politicians, that you know, trade unionists, they understand how to organise on a big scale, and they get it. And that's one of the reasons why we did well in that war, in the way the, the home front was run. That's why I'm saying, if you look at what happened last year, it was like half a picture of the country. You had the Conservatives who, to be fair, one of the reasons why they were successful with the vaccination programme, they just threw a tonne of money at it. They paid over the odds because they understand business and said, right, we're going to pay seven times more or whatever it was for the vaccination. We're just going to grab that and we're going to get it. And they did. True. Fair to them. But when it came to organising, as I said before, sort of like public sector service out in the community on an organised scale, it was a complete disaster. But Labour understands how to do that. Look at the Labour councils. And, and you know, so if we going back to your question 10 years ago or more, you know, I think there would have been uh, Labour politicians who could have done that, I have to say. But I would probably also say it's in such a major, major crisis affecting every single person in this country, I think you need to have as diverse a leadership as possible. And it's a shame we didn't get that. Um, sorry, that was just something mm. beeping at me there. Um, yeah, we didn't get that. And I think we, we've got an issue, haven't we, now with messages not getting out to some of our harder to reach communities, for example, in some of our black communities, minority ethnic communities, where community leaders are now really trying to get the message out to them. That's also a case um, here in, in Gloucestershire, not so much in our district, but in Gloucester, you know, there's a much more yeah. impact on, on some of those communities. Um, and so we need to make sure that message gets out and people look at the whoever's running the country running the pandemic and it looks like it reflects who they are as a community it's representative of them um, yeah and so many of the issues and debates around covid for, for better or worse have always fallen along those kind of pre-established political lines in a sense which is yeah. um it's a sad case of, of national really. leadership and ironically if boris johnson took my advice i think he would find he was in a much better place now if he'd had the you know, I think sometimes giving power away actually makes you more powerful. He hasn't done that. And, and it's it's a shame, shame for all of us, mm. I'm afraid. I know my oh. politics are quite defined by the district where we live. But, um, you know, I think we've I, I'm, I think we've done a good job with that over the last year. And I think it's it's made for stronger decisions and more inclusive decisions, having it politically diverse.
if we were to kind of look back in a way of kind of a more kind of lessons learned in a sense um, and what the council could have would have done better or could have improved um, what would you say those key lessons would be oh my gosh I don't know actually that's really hard to say I'm, not sure I'm all for the big that. questions tonight <laughs> lessons learned that's really hard um, I guess as well because we're still in it in a sense aren't we so it's yeah, hard to we are um I think what what I probably would have done, we did it the second half, is I felt a lot of councillors felt a bit out of it. And what happened was in the very early stages, we had like loads of, we had a few of us like who had leads, lead councillors doing a ridiculous amount of work. And it was all like busy, busy. We had so many decisions to make really quickly. And we were utterly (laughs) drained and exhausted. We had so Mm. much responsibility on our shoulders. But I felt other councillors who weren't in it felt a little bit out of it. And they were isolated. They were locked down like everyone else. So I think we've done better on that. But I think, um, you know, just, yeah, making them feel part of what was going on, I would say from a councillor point of view, I think I would say that um, would be the case. Um, And maybe, um, yeah, I suppose really just if I did it again, maybe we're just setting up more sort of networks of connections so that everyone sort of knew what was happening. We did start to do that. And probably that's what I would say. um, Definitely. I mean, otherwise it's quite hard. Maybe you need to ask me that in a little time. um, Sure. Maybe in the next year, same day, um, I'll I'll come back. But in terms of moving forward and looking at kind of the COVID recovery in, in a, in a local sense, we have this, this, discourse nationally about building back better and kind of a co post COVID um, bounce in a sense. How do you think Strouds can recover? And then like, where do you think those avenues are where the, the potentials in a way? Um, and, and what do you think that that should look like? Yeah, that's big a big question, question again. Totally sorry. And obviously we're talking about the pandemic, but the other thing on our minds, which is sort of far greater in many ways than the pandemic is the whole climate emergency which is a major piece of work for us as a district council and the whole district so so that is really where we need to also be focusing our efforts um but there potentially are sort of synergies between those two mm, i mean completely. i look ahead what i really want us to see is is to um sort of look at what we are as a district and understand who we are and what's unique about us and what is unique about us, we've got quite distinct communities. We've got market towns with very strong identities and we've got small rural communities, but very much the sort of focus is around those towns as the centres. And we've got, you know, five or six significant towns within the district. And I think people have a really sense of pride. And so I think when we look at recovery, what we should be seeing is how do we, and also people's horizons have come right down because they haven't been able to go anywhere. And I think that's almost connected people with their communities more. So for me, it's all about, local now i think um and just ensuring that we can get those communities sort of um build on the strengths of what we saw during the pandemic as i said about the mutual aid groups and as a council we're exploring that now how can we make that a resilient model so every part of the district has those little hubs community hubs so for the effects are coming which i talked about the personal impact that's had on people but there would be community hubs in everywhere every place so that people could go to and they're not some remote sort of centralized service it's like a local hub within their community of people they'd know and we can and then the thing about the people within those hubs they will know the individuals within their community who may need assistance or help because people also are not always very good at coming forwards and one of the things we have seen through this crisis is people have needed help 
who've never ever needed to ask for help before. I mean, the food bank would be one example. I mean, GL11, I think, is was feeding about 3% of the local um, community. So there's a lot of families who've suddenly found themselves on hard times who've never had to, to ask for that. And that's quite difficult for some people to find themselves in that situation. So that's where having that personal relationship works. So for me, looking forwards, that local element and doing it, you know, not one size fits all. So what might work for Stroud maybe very different for Dursley or for Wooten. They're very different places. So I want to see us just really use what we've seen and what's worked well and just build that into the community. And, and I think, you know, around gathering around. So there's, a, I suppose I'm, what I'm saying is like a sort of place-based element to it. Mm. But I think we also need, which, which is for everyone within the district, but we must also really focus on those particular areas where people really, really need the extra support. For example, you know, um, any 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 people who've had a much bigger impact because it hasn't fallen equally across everyone, has it? So I think that's what we need to really do. Um, and, and as a council, you know, you've got universal services you provide to everyone and make sure they're done well. But where you really need to provide directed support, you need to make sure that's going most effectively towards to people. So I think taking something away out of it is just... Um, that that local element um, is really important. Um, so that's something. Yeah. And also going back to what I said about the synergy with the, if you look at the sort of work we're starting to around climate change, it's about building up local supply chains, local supporting local um, food producers, for instance, you know, cutting down on your travel, you know, so what would be good to see coming out the other side is actually a district that's thriving. You know, let's see in a couple of years time, we're actually coming back, we're bouncing back. And we, we've just really reconnected with at the, where we live. And, you know, we take some good stuff out of this as well. And, and we help to support the people who need extra help, who are, let's face it, there are going to be people out there struggling and we need to make sure they get the help they need. And the council yeah. can play a role in that. But I want to say it's not about the council on its own partnership is really important partnership with our community organizations partnership with other public sector you know i don't want to see a top-down approach it's got to be up from the grassroots as well so that's why our community organizations are really important but also working with the health service working with other statutory sector as well um, i'm working with local businesses also and other communities faith communities trade unions you know we've got many other organize it cuts in many ways and we need to have partnership with all of them yeah, I think if you asked a lot of people if they wanted to go back to business as usual, kind of a carbon copy of the the, the, the life and the systems that we had before the before COVID, I don't think anyone would really say yes, or people would at least think twice about it because the the potential for growing and developing on what we have seen. And I think that's a fantastic way to to, to end it. Again, I think I've asked you all pretty much every question apart from what the meaning of life is. Um, so thank you for thank you for bearing with me and answering them. It was really interesting. I hope I've covered all bases. There's a lot there, isn't it? And I hope I don't like wake up tonight thinking, oh my gosh, there's something really important I missed. But I think we've pretty much covered it all. I think it'd be interesting to have this conversation, you know, later on again and see. I mean, the pandemic is going to end. It definitely is going to end. And I think we've got to have hope for the future, haven't we? That's really important. Yeah.